Let's take a look at some scripture this morning, okay? And uh, we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. I'll get you there in a few minutes. But to kind of get the whole thing started, I want to tell you a story about a guy who is walking down a, um, a pier, passes in front of a bunch of, um, a bunch of people fishing, and he comes up against one guy who's in a boat and obviously stopped fishing. He's got his arms behind his, his head, and he's leaning up against the wall of the boat, and he's got his feet stretched out to him. There are a few fish in front of him. And he, the guy says, well, why aren't you out there fishing, man? And the, well, and the, guy, the fisherman says, well, I've caught enough fish for the day. Well, why don't you go catch some more fish? He says, well, what would I do with more fish? And the fellow on the pier says, well, you know, you could sell them, and you could earn more money, and you could buy a bigger and a better boat, and you could go out deeper and catch more fish, and you could, um, then you could go buy some nylon nets and catch even more fish. And then you'd soon have a fleet of boats, and you'd be, you'd be able to sit back and enjoy life. The guy says, what do you think I'm doing right now? <laughs> Why is it that sometimes we want much more? And for that matter, in our culture, what are we told? Work hard so that you can rest. And yet sometimes I wonder if we, don't work so, if we didn't work so hard, we wouldn't need so much rest, right? What does the Bible say about this quandary we have within our lives? Because our, our culture is made up of getting ahead and striving and pushing and new goals. And people want a lot of things out of life. George Barna uh, recently did a poll across the United States asking people for what is it you want out of life. And people came back with seven things. Here's the seven things. They want good health. They want integrity. They would like to, if preferred, to have just one marriage in life. Okay? They want a clear life purpose. They want close friends. They want a satisfying sex life, and they want money. It seems to be a reasonable list, I think. All right? We want some things in life. Some people go beyond wanting, just wanting to needing, 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 want, 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 want. And we think, man, if we can just climb a little higher, as if life were a claim, climbing wall, then all our problems would be solved and everything would be good. We learn at an early age, even in elementary school, Man, you got to work hard so you can earn great grades, so you can get ahead, so you can go to college, so you can work hard, so you can work for a lot of years, so that you can then die and leave all your money to your kids. And, and you know, what's with all of that? Why does it go that way? Is that true? Is that, is that how life is? I mean, I like to work. Many of you know that I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm driven, but I certainly look at life with a real under, a real. I want to grasp it all. I have high goals and high dreams, and those dreams relate to my family, and they relate to your family and to our church and to our spirituality as a congregation and as individuals and what our congregation can do in this community and globally, and it's appropriate and good to strive for increasing the value of our lives and, if you, if you will, even the prosperity of our families and the influences of our church for the sake of Christ and so forth. So we just go, okay, what can we take on? Can we take on it all? Are there limits? Are there limits? The book of Ecclesiastes says there are. We're going to work our way through that book in the coming weeks. It's a biblical book that's over and often overlooked. Let me tell you just a little bit about it and why these guys are standing behind me ready to, to uh, bring a song to us. Ecclesiastes was written by a man who was the king of Israel some 3,000 years ago from now. Long, long time ago. He was known as Solomon, the third king of Israel. 
if you will, when Israel was extremely rich and powerful, he had it all. He, he was able to mark his life by he accomplished all his dreams and then some. There was nothing that he wanted that he didn't get, both given to him and that he got through his own hard work. And yet, at the end of his life, he summed up what it was all about in a book called Ecclesiastes. And if you, as you read through Ecclesiastes today and in the coming weeks, you're going to almost be depressed because it's a little bit of a cynical look. And much of what he says um, was summed up uh, by a group, a rock group. Anybody ever heard of Kansas? All right. They, they came out with a song that they took the text of the song from Ecclesiastes. Now, I don't think popular culture knew that it was the Bible that was being sung on the radio, but we thought you'd like to hear a little bit of Kansas this morning. Anybody into Kansas this morning? All right, yeah, we are, right? So listen, these guys are going to do a little bit of Kansas that's a very cynical, pessimistic song that was very popular, known as, any, any guess what it might be? You Kansas fans? Hello? Dust in the wind. All right, here we go. A little dust in the wind at First Christian. Here we go. Duh. 
dust in the wind. Dust in the wind. Everything is dust in the You guys thank him. A little bit of Kansas. Sound familiar? Do you remember? Remember that? Why did a cynical song like that make it on the top 40 radio? It doesn't make sense, does it? It's not really, really all this fun stuff. Why is our culture so willing to embrace that kind of language? Well, we're going to read exactly what you heard musically. We're going to read in Ecclesiastes today. And, uh, just before we get there, I just want to remind you that what we're reading today, this passage of scripture is known uh, as wisdom literature. Wisdom literature in the scriptures has to be treated a little bit differently than the rest of the Bible. With wisdom literature, you have to read the whole thing in order to understand the context because it's not a story being told. You know, you read through much of the Old Testament, there's a story being told. You read through the Gospels, you're learning the story of Jesus' life. But more so, this is a collection of sayings that lead to a conclusion. And if you're not careful, if you read just one or two passages of it, and you don't get to the conclusion, which Dust in the Wind, that song, they only used a few passages, and you don't ever hear the conclusion of Ecclesiastes. And so I want you to understand as we read today that uh, this passage of Scripture is different than like the prophetical writings where a prophet was saying something on behalf of God where it's his directive, this is how to live your life, and so forth and so on. But instead, Solomon is musing carefully at the end of his life saying, this is what I've experienced, this is what I've... I want to teach the young how to live well before... Um, how to live well before God. So it's not just a, you got to go, okay, where's the whole thing going? So as we read today, we're, we're looking at these musings of a man who's saying, how's it going to come together? And so we put some tools together to help you today in this musing uh, story moving forward. You'll see that there's a, an insert in your bulletin today. And uh, we want you to take that home this week and work it through. Or I've got really good news for you for those of you who don't like paper then it's going to come to you, if you're willing, to, uh, to, on your phone tomorrow, okay? So if you'd like to text the words First Decatur to 24587, you'll get this event, this, uh, this study guide on your phone tomorrow, and that way when you're driving to work, you can read it. <laughs> no, seriously, if, but you have to do it today because we're going to send it out first thing in the morning. It's going to come once a week in the, in the next five weeks. So if you want to get it, 24587. You know, we had a really cool thing. We had more than... 700 people go through our 21 days on your phones. Uh, congrats for that, guys. Let's keep it up, all right? So, again, as we look at this today, we're going to see a cynical view of life. But I want you to know, in the long run, it doesn't end with cynicism. But we're going to read a, some portions today where it sounds really cynical. Ecclesiastes, about this far through the Bible, okay? You're going to watch your Bible because I'm going to read two whole chapters. And I want you to follow along. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and chapter 2. And here's what Solomon says. The teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Welcome to church. <laughs> Welcome to having your spirits buoyed this morning and just feeling really good. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. 
We read this. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun sets, pardon me, the sun rises, the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south until it returns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. It's just the same thing keeps happening over and over again. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. Again, it's this stuff's going on, and yet there doesn't seem to be any difference. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. <sighs> Big sigh. You hear him, don't you? The eye has, never has enough of seeing, nor the ear full of its hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there's something new? Nah, dude, you can't do it. You can't make it happen. In the Australian, you can't make it, mate. It's the same. Every day, it's the same. It's my heritage. My, I've got my cousin here from Australia this week, so be ready. I've, I've got all kinds of Australians we can bring to you today. All right? So, <laughs> you want to hear this? No one remembers the former generations or even those yet to come. I mean, the South just, there you go. This, this business is just, I'm going, he's going, it doesn't add up. I've worked, I've worked my tail off all my life. And here at the end of my life, I don't know what to say other than, it doesn't add up. It's meaningless, meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. It's dust in the wind. Keep reading with me. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. And what a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. In other words, he said, I decided I'd become really wise, and I went searching for wisdom, and, and was it going to help me in this understanding that, man, life is meaningless? All of them are meaningless, a what? Chasing after the wind, dust in the wind. What's crooked can't be straightened, what is lacking can't be counted. And I said to myself, look, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge, and I applied myself to the wisdom and to, um, to the understanding of wisdom, pardon me, and also of madness and folly. But I learned this too is what? A chasing after the wind, dust in the wind. For with much sorrow, pardon me, with which much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. In other words, I really tried to be wise in the way in which I handled life. But in the long run, I don't know that it's really helped. So if, I didn't, if wisdom doesn't help, what else might there be? I said to myself, come now. I'll test you with pleasure to find out what's good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine, embracing folly. Of course, with my mind still guiding me with wisdom, I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. In other words, I became a party animal. Man, I just partied, partied, partied. I partied hard. I wanted to see how short life could be, and it didn't really work out all that well. Carrying on. I undertook great projects. So I've tried wisdom. I've tried partying. Uh, so maybe I could try with a career. I took great projects. I built houses for myself, planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves. In other words, I got employees. I built a big business. I had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself, the treasure of kings and provinces. Man, I, I was a builder. 
he says. As a matter of fact, Solomon did build a lot of stuff. He, in fact, built a palace that took 13 years to build with, with all the resources of Israel in front of him. And he had all kinds of skilled laborers who worked to the bone, if you will, to build this big palace. But he goes, all that building didn't really make a difference. Welcome to church this morning. Isn't it feeling good and you're feeling really buoyed up, all right? Okay, so then he goes, I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. And there's a thousand words that are unsaid here. But you read between the lines. The delights of a man's heart. <laughs> a harem? Well, there's more than a harem. This guy was into relationships and into, had a sexual appetite that was, could be met because he married, catch this, 700 different women. He had 700 wives and he had 300 concubines. Concubines are women who are available to him because he was the king for his sexual pleasure. A thousand women, bless his heart. Can you imagine? Men, no, we can't. We don't want to. We don't want to at all. Hardship, he says, is what the result of all of that was. Verse 9, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. In all of this, I was keeping my heads about me and my wits, and I de denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. Everything I did, I, I mean, I just enjoyed life. This was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had told to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, dust in the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So what's the summation of this? I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? I'm going to have sons or kids come after me who, they're not going to be able to say they did something greater than I did. I did it all. And here's what I've learned. I saw that wisdom is better than folly. It's better to be wise than stupid. Well, that makes sense. Just as light is better than darkness. The wise have eyes in their heads while the fool walks in the darkness. But I, became, I came to realize that regardless of how wise you are, how foolish, how poor, how rich, the same fate overtakes all those kinds of people. And I said, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What do I then gain by being wise? This too, I said, is, being, is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. See, when Solomon was a young man and he became the king, he took over his father's throne, he gave some thought to how he should live his life and how he should rule the kingdom. And so he went before God and said, God, I want you to make me extremely wise, so I would know how to manage my nation. And God granted that very gracious and righteous request. It was the right thing to ask. But it wasn't long after that that Solomon's quest for wisdom grew out of balance in his life. He sought it intensely to the point of seeking advice and learning from people outside of Israel. And that led him to a desire to, if you will, to a practice where he developed international peace treaties and trading alliances with nations that God had said, you shouldn't work with those people. And those peace treaties were often sealed by those nations, giving him young women to him for him to marry or for him to be, to be put in his harem, as concubines. And when those women came into Israel, they brought with them the gods from those foreign nations, and they worshipped them in Israel. 
And that was in direct opposition to what God had said should be taking place. The Israelites were not to consider worshiping any God but Jehovah, Jehovah God. And yet here's the king with wives who worship other gods. And his one conviction to be a man of wisdom got out of balance and it led to a distortion and an, and an elimination of his other convictions and his best intentions had run amok. And we see this in our day and time. We, say, we see people say, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be healthy. And they're focused so much on their health that it becomes idolatrous. Nothing else can take the place of what, how they're handling their health. Or we see people who say, I wanna be wealthy. And they focus so much on being wealthy that it becomes idolatrous. We see people say, I want to be popular. And they, I mean, they want to, there's so much so that it becomes idolatrous. We even see people who say, I want to know the Bible so much that it becomes idolatrous. And their ability to relate to other people begins to disappear. So what would be the result of all of that? What would, what would we learn from Solomon? Don't have a harem? Well, I'd say that's a reasonable lesson, but I don't know that that's the point. Don't seek wisdom? Oh, you can't say that that's a good lesson. Wisdom is a great trait to strive after. But here's where Solomon goes. Live your life carefully so that it doesn't become idolatrous in any direction. And do one thing first. Do one thing first. Serve God in worship. And if you can do that, then all the other issues of life, including your health, your wealth, your family, and your spirituality, all come along in the right order. So if that's the case, what could we say in the midst of this very pessimistic passage that we've read this morning? Are we supposed to be pessimists? No, I'm not a pessimist in any way. I see the glass as half full and man there's so many opportunities in front of me in life and so many opportunities in front of my family and so many opportunities in front of you in this congregation and you know that part of the nature of our congregation is we're saying always what can we take on for the sake of Jesus Christ all right so what does this pessimistic view of life do in scripture well some observations first one is this that while we as individuals can take on limitless possibilities, all those possibilities in the long run are more or less horizontal. I mean, our lives may be up and to the right, but it will only be good for this life. See, here's what I mean. You, you, you can strive and should strive to do well at school or in relationships or at work, and those are worthwhile goals. You're, you're climbing, you're ascending, you're accomplishing and for Christians, that is a very biblical way to live life, that we are to be, we are to be better today than we were yesterday. We'll be better tomorrow than we are today, and that we are to be people who have our minds renewed and moving forward, absolutely. But the message of Ecclesiastes is this, that all that movement forward has some limits. Those horizontal accomplishments only take you so far. They are, Solomon says, a chasing after the wind. Solomon discovered that all his accomplishments, and they were many, they meant nothing in the light of eternity. They were accomplishments under heaven. And everything under heaven turns to dust. Whatever happiness he chased under heaven, while he enjoyed it, at the end of his life he had to say, it's elusive as dust. It couldn't be caught. Why do we say that? Well, if you go back and look at chapter 1, that verse 2, where it says, meaningless, meaningless, 
That word in Hebrew, hebel, hebel, is um, with, a, with a kind of a, a hard H. That, that word is used 37 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, more so than in all the rest of the Old Testament combined. And it means this, it means it's a vapor, it's, it's a breath, it's dust, it is, if you will, a wisp of air. And so when you read this business that meaningless, meaningless, verse two of chapter one, it could be wisp of air, dust, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is just a vapor. Solomon accounts for all of his accomplishments as saying, ah, it, was, it was over like this, ah, gone. So what do we do? Well, we know this, that people who choose to serve God have to focus on the matters of heaven. We are called, on the one hand, to be people who pursue the good things in life. God is a creative God. We are made in God's image. We, 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 we are the Imago Dei. We are to be people who say, how, does, how is God creative? Can we be creative like that? And we are to take on the good things of life. God does. And the New Testament is full of examples and exhortations from Jesus and his disciples that we are to do our best, that we shouldn't ever settle for a limited view of life, that we should take on the world. That in the name of Jesus, Jesus himself said, we have full authority to take on the world. We are to move mountains, we're to heal people, we're to bring salvation, we're to put the old way of life away and bring on a new way of life. We're to have the right kind of thinking, we're to change our attitude, change the attitude of our mind, we're to live a holy life, we're to be a witness. We are to run the race and fight the fight. We are to care and love and reach and touch and change the people around us for the sake of Christ. And those are really big goals and they are wonderful goals and they are appropriate, they are called. We are called to do that from Scripture. But none of those tasks are supposed to take the place of our real focus on God. Because Ecclesiastes tells us that we could, if we're not careful, allow the very real and the very legitimate issues of life to become our priorities when they should not be. And our culture is full of people chasing after busyness, after staying young, after money, after all sorts of pleasures. And Ecclesiastes responds to those drives and says, hey, the ultimate goal is not under heaven, but in heaven. Now, we say, well, I didn't hear that in the book today. Well, that's because, again, you're looking at a bunch of musings, and really he goes all the way through chapter 12 before he finally lands and says, oh, by the way, here is the ultimate goal in light of all the pessimistic things that I can say, and we're going to bring those pessimistic things to you in the weeks ahead. It's going to be great to be in church, isn't it? And, 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 and each week we're going to bring you all the way to what Solomon says in regards to this chasing after the wind, this dust in the wind, where he says, in light of everything I've experienced, he brings it all down to one verse, chapter 12, verse 13. He says this, now that I've said all this, now all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that's the duty of all. In other words, if you take the totality of scripture, you get after life and you make things happen. Fair enough. Go for it. You were made to do that. We were created to be people who are industrious. But in the long run, the best advice to us from Scripture is fear God and keep His commandments because the same fate wakes everybody, waits for everybody, pardon me. And what are we going to do about it? We're going to fear God. We're going to do all the things that come our way, yeah. But we're going to realize they are temporary and um, it's not about what we chase. We can chase health. We can chase money. As a matter of fact, um, uh, 
few years ago, uh, th this will explain it. Rod Fleener, oops, right over here. Rod, you didn't know you're going to be in the message today, did you? Now you're nervous, right? Okay, okay. Two weeks in a row. There you go. Okay. He and I were up at Menards, and I don't know what we were. I can't remember what we were buying, Rodney. But we were, he had he had a little tr pickup truck, and we had to go up there. And I think we we're buying sheetrock for the church or something or other like that. And you know, when you go up there, you got to take your you, you buy it at the counter, and then you got to go ra drive around the back, and they load it in, and then you've got to get from the back portion of the lot and, lo and they come up and they want to check out whether or not you've got everything in the back of the truck you didn't take what you weren't supposed to take. And so um, we're there and um, the, the, the guy comes out of the little shack and uh, we get there and, and we hand the guy the receipt and he's looking at everything in the back of the truck and uh, comparing what's going on. And he said to Rodney, do you hear the song that's on the, ra on the, you know, the loudspeakers? This is what was playing. And I'm standing there kind of grooving because I can groove really well, right? You like the way I groove, right? Why are you so embarrassed? You're embarrassed for me? Okay. Can you hear what it is? Money, 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 money. Money. All right, so the, the guy's going, that, that's playing really loud. And he, he says, you know what that sounds like? And Rod and I look at the guy and he goes, exactly like my ex-wife. <laughs> Here's the sad thing, apart from the fact that he had an ex-wife and so forth and so on. Was he was able to encaps encapsulate and describe all of her life in one word. Or uh, money, 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 money. That's all he knew of her, that she wanted more money. I would say, friends, there's a lot to accomplish in this life. And there are a lot of really worthwhile goals. Striving and pursuing after them is a very commendable activity, as long as we realize that in the long run, it's our focus on God that counts. You know, it's, it's like, where is Jesus in all of this? In, in all that we're doing, are we remembering it's not about us, it's not about all that we accomplish, fair enough, but it's really about our relationship with Christ. And so I would just ask you this morning, very quickly, where's your focus? Straight up, where's your focus? I would invite you to sit and think about that and maybe sing along with us to this... Uh, song, we haven't done it in a number of years, but you probably remember it. When the music fades. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply Just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper
stand and sing, please? King of Endless Worth. King of Endless Worth. No one can express how much you deserve. understanding that hey there's a lot going on in our lives and a lot going on in our church and making certain that all of those things as important as they really are with if you will a more positive view on them than what Solomon took above it we want Christ to be in charge if you're here today and you'd say hey I really need God to be in charge of this big matter in my life I would like to pray with you about that or maybe something really cool is going on and you go hey I want to be careful that I keep all this great excitement in this wonderful moment these wonderful moments I want to be certain that they they stay under the way in which I relate to God Almighty we'd like to pray with you about the successes as well so there'll be some leaders from our church here at the front of the room we'd love to pray with you if you don't know Jesus you'd be like oh I don't know how to even get that started let's have a chat and at least start a prayer okay so I'd invite you to come forward these guys are going to lead us you're invited to come congregation you're invited to sing